You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. We are brought to you by Oneness Ministries, grace-based, hope-filled, spirit-led counseling and life coaching. To learn more about us, go to our website at oneness-ministries.org. We're also brought to you by Marshall Fence, a premier residential and commercial fence company in Oklahoma City metro area. Contact them at 405-691-1191 or drop by and see them at 9513 South Shields in OKC. I have a great guest today. We've actually done this before, and I kind of made some mistakes. You did? (laughs) I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, about the ticks. I still get kidded about that. (laughs) That's right. I remember that. My guest today is Steve Eaton, pastor (laughs) of Grace Church, Choctaw. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm uh, I'm back by popular demand or <laughs> sheer necessity. <laughs> Let's go with popular demand. Okay. Yes. We, I like we that. don't we don't know, nobody knows the truth. <laughs> How are you doing? How was your New Year and your Christmas? And it was good. You know, uh, Christmas we took the family to Branson. So our first ever destination Christmas. I'm like 50 years old now, and the first time we've ever done that, and took. The three kids, then my oldest daughter, Noelle, her boyfriend slash fiance, he went with us. So there were six of us. How nice is that? And uh, got a cabin, you know, VRBO in Branson, went to Silver Dollar City, saw all the lights. I mean, there's a lot to do there, obviously. How fun is that? It was it was especially special because that we took the kids there when they were small, probably three different times. And so it was a little bit of you know, uh, living the glory days there, yeah. but it was, it was a really good time and no drama. Everybody what? got along. I know everybody <laughs> got along. No fighting. Then it's not an American Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but no, it was, it was really good. The new year, not a whole lot, you know, happened on the new year. I watched OU play the cotton bowl. That was fun. They, they played well and they did play well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I didn't watch it. Did, yeah. Um, well, if you like, uh, it wasn't a good game by competitive no, stance, well, it was but it was great scored, to watch. They scored yeah. 55 points. That makes it a good game. That's See, that's <laughs> what I tell people. I don't want to watch 17-14 no. where it's a nail-biter. Right. I want OU to win 56-0. to zero. That's what I like. Every watching. time. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat unrealistic, but I'm just being honest. That's what I like. And it's time we started that. Yes. Being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're past time to be honest. (laughs) Well, one of the things I'd like to talk about today um, is our, we're, okay, let me form a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We have been talking with the guy who helps us set up, Jeremy Griffin, about doing a um, digital church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I struggle with that because I'm old and I don't like change. Right. I like things the way they were. I like going to church. I like worshiping. Yeah. And doing it the way we've done it for 200 years. Right. But I see a change. And as pastor of a a, a medium church, would you say? Well, it's oddly enough, 90% of the churches in America are 100 or less. So we're... We're kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know our numbers right now because of COVID and we did, we moved to one service instead of two. Right. um, Because, you know, of COVID and just all the ins and outs of that stuff. So I don't really know for sure what we're running, but I think that stat is correct. I think it's 90% are a hundred or less. Um, And we're, we're definitely beyond that. So I don't know what you would call it. Medium's probably fine. Where do you see... What do you see the future of church as we know it? Well, when you put it in the context of the the online church, you mm-hmm. know, the digital church, the culture is going more and more digital. There's going to be less and less uh, face-to-face. And, I, you know, even at Walmart now, you just place your order online, go pick it up, they put True. it in your car. True. Uh, I think I joked years ago, Rick, about a concept called McChurch. Mm. 
And McChurch, <laughs> I, I know where this is going. McChurch was you just drive through. We give you a little communion cup and a wafer. I give you a CD. <laughs> this is I'm dating. How long ago I had this idea? I give you the CD. Here's the sermon, and the worship is on here too. We we pray a little quick prayer over you and send you on your way. Enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> and uh, so I do think there's, I think there's a shift in the whole culture, Rick. And I have a good friend who pastors in the UK, and he said this. This is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up. Do you not perceive it? I think that's interesting. I'm making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Um, so his point was that preaches really well. All of us have preached that. It's a great prophetic word about new beginnings, he said, but for the first time, I really think we're living it. Yeah. I think there is such a shift in the culture of America. The West would be the UK as well. Yeah. Uh, they haven't been meeting for church in the UK in a long time. They've, they've been really more clamped down than we have. They're probably more similar like California, right. where it's a dogfight every time you want to have a service. But Oklahoma, we've been more fortunate that way, a lot of the Midwest. But uh, so I think the church culture is shifting too. And I think what's in front of the church is, and we've been saying for years at Grace Church, Sundays aren't enough. If you're equating Christianity to Sunday morning, you have missed the reason Jesus came. I promise you he didn't come and die for an hour on Sunday, that he wants an hour of your time on Sunday. Right. Uh, if you go back to Genesis, and I had writ- I wrote a book on this called Origins, but if you go back to Genesis, it's day-to-day, heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit relationship with God. Every single day, uh, his heart to your heart, his spirit living in Adam and Eve's spirit, and that is what he originally designed for life on this planet. So with that, do I think that church will go away altogether like Sunday morning church? No. But I do think it's it's diminishing, and, and it can be a good thing. We have to be careful, though. We have to be careful. Does it diminish into a fuller expression of a living relationship with Jesus Christ within the body of Christ in the West? I hope so. I think that's God's plan right. that, you know, if you even go back to Acts, that they they went to the temple, yes, but they were house to house. I mean, they, they were doing every day in community together. So I think the days in the mega church probably are going away. Uh, I think the church will get smaller, smaller pockets and community mm-hmm. where they really know each other and fight for each other's freedom and do life together. I had a felt like the Lord had said a while back, that Steve, the the new is the old. The new is the old. And what I took from that is the book of Acts, that there's going to be more emphasis on real discipleship, uh, where you actually walk with people, uh, imitate Christ for them, uh, check on them. How are you doing? Are you winning? Tell me where you're struggling. Let's fight for each other's freedom uh, to live out the Christ life. Uh, so I think the church is going to move more in that way. Uh, When I use that term in, I just mean interconnected, close, tight-knit relationships and probably the church of, or the days of, hey, 5,000 people gathering and their Christianity equates to that that one service, that one experience for an hour and then through the week. I think I saw the stat the other day, Rick, that it was about 90% that uh, don't pick up their Bible between Sundays. Can you believe that? I mean, think about that. 90%. 90% yep. of churchgoers do not pick up the scriptures uh, in between Sundays. Well, that's, you know, we could get into this whole rabbit trail here. I'm a huge proponent of spirit to spirit. I, I mentioned that Jesus, when he came, didn't say, I'm going to leave you a book to read. Right. So you know how I feel, though? about the scriptures aren't the end-all, be-all. He didn't come to give you the Bible. He, he wants to give you his life and spirit on the inside. But having said that, the scripture, thank God for the scripture. Right. Thank God we have it. That's one of the ways, especially when you first get born again and you want to know God and you want to know Christ, that he can speak to you through scripture. He can begin to acclimate your voice or your ears to his voice right. through the scripture. 
And so, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some growth in that area. That'll, that's what it'll become. I've always thought that Scripture gives you vocabulary and Holy Spirit gives you voice. Yeah, yeah. I and, can see that. Yeah, and, you know, it's not about Scripture because Scripture points us to Christ. Right, John five thirty nine and 40. You yeah. pour over the Scriptures, you think in them you have eternal life, but you won't come to me right. that I may give you life. One of the things we try to walk people through at Grace church is so you take a scripture let's say john three sixteen. this is what it says on the paper for god so loved the world etc okay but then you ask that person sit with jesus he's spirit he lives in your heart and and say this simple prayer lord i know what this says on paper but what are you personally saying to me amen and so it would come out yeah. like a dear Rick letter. Yep. So the person is sitting with John three sixteen. They're kind of asking the Lord, what, what, what are you highlighting to me here? And then it's dear Rick, you know, I so love you. I give my life to you so we can walk together every day. Something like that. Now, see, that's not just ink off the paper being regurgitated. That's a life giving voice. Amen. That's speaking to that person's spirit. And we want them, you know, then journal those things, keep those things. And that begins to acclimate them uh, to the voice of the Lord using the integrity of Scripture. It's different than just saying, Rick, go to your prayer closet. And you're like, what's that? I just got saved. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But go over here and uh, listen to Jesus' voice come through the ethos somewhere. Tell me what he says. So we're, we use the integrity of Scripture to, to look at a passage and then ask him, Lord, what are you saying personally to me? I see what this says, but what are you saying to me? What you just said, I think, is that we no longer need a teacher from a pulpit. We need right. the Holy Spirit he as is the teacher. teacher. That's right. He is the teacher. As guide, as counselor. I've told the people at Grace all the time, you know, when I'll share a truth, what I really see happening when I am in the pulpit is my spirit speaking to their spirit. You know, that on that level, it's Holy Spirit to Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. And uh, so when they when they nod their head, when I'm sharing a truth or a principle about who God is or who they are or how life is to be lived, and they're like, yes, amen, I'm like, how do you know that's true? The reason they know it's true is because the Holy Spirit is in them and bears witness to truth. Jesus called him the spirit of truth in John 14, 15, and 16. Mm-hmm. And so I tell them, you already knew, you knew more than you thought you knew when you came in here. All I'm doing is all the role of any uh, teacher or pastor or shepherd or uh, how about if you're making disciples, you're just walking with somebody, a good friend in Christ. All they're doing is uh, helping you to get acclimated to be taught by the Holy Spirit because he is the teacher. He's the teacher. Yeah. Yep. And that reminds me, you know, Hebrews 10, what does it say when it's talking about, I think it's Hebrews 8 or Hebrews 10, but the five terms of the new covenant. And one of those terms is no man will have to teach his brother saying, know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest. So what he's doing there is doing away with the hierarchical mm-hmm. mindset that, oh, I've got to have a preacher or I can't know God. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's your teacher, and if the preacher slash pastor is worth his salt and understands <laughs> understands relationship with God, then he's, he's helping acclimate you to if, the Holy Spirit. If he can get over being a talking head, Right. Uh-huh. Then he can share right. to with your spirit. Or a necessity, like you've got to have me. You know, and that runs both ways, uh, Rick. I've been both sides. Of it. You know, if you're in the pulpit, you have to recognize, hey, they don't need me. I'm just here to serve. And, and so, Lord, use me. Speak through me. And let's bring life to your people. You know, let's let's feed them well or however you'd word that. The other side is they have to recognize and not put to put me on a pedestal like i tell them if the only time you're hearing god speak is when when you're here on sunday morning you've missed why jesus came <laughs> he came to teach you yeah. you know i might be gone tomorrow he's with you forever forever um i got mad at god the other day okay well did you tell him or did you hide it from i him? told him <laughs> and um it was not appropriate the way i told him i see and because i was mad yeah. And when I was finished with my little tirade, my little fit, he said, I'm going to give you a verse. And it's out of Job. 
Hmm. Well, when God says, I'm going to give you a verse out of Job, it's like your dad pulling the belt off of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for your spanking because here it comes. Here it comes. And he said, I want you to go to um, Job 38, verse 2. Wow. And that verse is, who is it that darkens my counsel with words that lack wisdom? Wow. What did you see in that? I saw that God never turns his back on me, but I turn my back on him. Yeah. And at that point, I create a shadow because of his light on me. And when I turn around, oh, I yeah. create a shadow. I'm with you. And I see the shadow and I speak out of that shadow. That words that have no substance mm-hmm. because the shadow is just what's produced when I be, when I get in front of the light. Yeah. And he said to me, your words have no substance because they're spoken out of a shadow. I gotcha. Instead um, of the full illumination. Yeah. Face and to face. I go. you said yes dad yeah i I did yeah and so you know you apologize and and, but you probably felt loved in that statement honestly it was not there was no condemnation there was no you are a bad person or you you know there might be a little bit of you're stupid to think that you can right yeah but i told a guy one time (laughs) he said he was an atheist i said you're not an atheist you're just mad at god and you should tell him you don't think he's doing a very good job because he sees it anyway. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it's you can't the best thing to do with all of that. And it's interesting. Any atheist, 90, 90, I said 90 percent three times now. So I'm going with 92 percent of atheists typically say, well, I'm an atheist because God blank. Yes. <laughs> it's always rooted in their perception of God or what he's not doing or what he is doing. So I just told that guy, you just need to be honest with the Lord, like Rick Fry does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's honest right back. Yes. That's what you can count on. Amen. Um, an, another, and I'm going to go back to where you, what you were talking about, about the church changing. Yeah. I got a, I got a word. And I don't know if you, all of you are listening really understand what that means, but it's God just communicating to me. Yeah. Something, 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 Mm -hmm. something to me. And in this dialogue, he said, there's a new wind coming Mm. and it's a powerful wind. What are you going to do? And you know, my first thought was that I'm going to brace, I'm going to get stand up and brace myself myself for the wind so that I'm not blown away. And he said, wrong answer. Right. I want you to create a sale. I was going to say that. Did he say open the sales? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because he said when you resist it, then you're not going to you're not going to get to enjoy it. Yeah. And then a few days later, Wayne Jacobson, okay, said the same thing. Really? And and I told my wife about what God told me, and then when she heard Wayne Jacobs say it, it became real to her. <laughs> Well, it's legit because, you know, Wayne, Wayne said, said so. My husband, well, <laughs> he says a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> but I think there is. I think yeah. you're right. I think there's a powerful wind mm-hmm. about to blow, and we need to know how to respond to it. We had a woman in our church saw a vision. Uh, it's been almost a year, but that very thing, she saw a ship on all this tumultuous water. But inside, the wind was blowing, uh, and the Lord said, open the sails. And, and she started seeing people come into that boat, and the people became sails. The people wow. were the sails. And she said the more sails that opened on the ship, you know, the, the quicker it went through the waters, the uh, smoother it was able to navigate. It was interesting. So I think it's coming. Yeah. I think I think there is a change coming. Right. And, you know, in this political environment, and I don't really want to get into politics, but yeah. in this political environment, we may not have a choice. Yeah, you're right. And when let's go back to the discipleship word where the church starts living more and more vibrantly in smaller communities. Smaller communities. House churches or, you know, small groups and the, where we're really walking with each other. And if we get back to that, Rick, that might be preparation of the lord because church may be outlawed at some point may very um, well be I mean, right I'm, and i'm being it's, honest it's i'm not possible. being an alarmist yeah. i'm just saying that for whatever reason whether it's a pandemic i mean maybe we get a administration 
that's very anti-God and tries to come up with ways that, that the church can't meet, then uh, however, however that might unfold, I'm just saying what if this shift we're experiencing now, more relational-based, connected Christianity, authentic Christianity, almost like what you'd see in China yeah. and those type of places, uh, the public gathering is definitely not the thing in China, but don't tell me the church isn't thriving because they are. They are. Uh, so maybe it's preparation. Who knows? But I'm telling you with conviction, I think that is where the church in the West is headed. More of a small group emphasis. I'm not ready to say that Sundays are gone. I think that gathering will happen. Even live stream is still going on sure. in that uh, gathering. Now, you may not have like at Grace Church. We, we probably... Uh, since COVID hit way back in March and then we didn't meet for two months and then we came back and then it was like, well, we really only have enough for one service. Why kill ourselves with two? Let's just gather uh, with the one because so many people had moved online. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe 40, 50% have not come back since then. And I just mean that, uh, what's the word? Consistently, right. like uh, right. numbers wise. And so- We'll see how that unfolds, but I really think uh, we'll have a little bit still of the Sunday morning. That probably won't go away, at least not right away. But is there a shift and a new thing he's doing? I think yes, and I do think uh, people living authentic, having authentic relationship with Christ, those people are going to move more and more towards him. And then you've kind of heard of the great falling away. I think those that only know a form of godliness or a form of religion or just consider themselves church members and don't know Jesus from a hole in the ground, right? Uh, they're going to fall away. And uh, I said the other day, you know, we have way more church members than born again Christians in America. Wow. I mean, think about that. Wow. But it's the truth because church is not your savior, and yet there are forms of religion. Even yes, within Christendom, there are. If we're honest. Uh, I don't think it should be that way. I'm not touting that. But do you see what I'm saying? That, yes, I that do. This form of godliness that's kind of void of the spirit and life of God, but it's just more based on tradition or doctrine or ritual, uh, there's there's still some of that in Christendom too today. Hmm. I've been honored by being asked to disciple um, young men at a place called... Um, Hope Care Center. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty new here mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, and they're all guys who are there to um, recover from addiction. Yeah, mostly drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, these guys are hungry. These guys have lived the hopeless life, mm-hmm. and now they've seen Jesus right as the hope, and they are hungry. Good, amen. And man, I talked to a guy yesterday who spent. 14 years of his life in prison. Mm -hmm. And he said, God used that to prepare me to be able to speak to guys like me. Yeah. Right. And it really blessed me to hear that. He loves to send us back to the desert from which we came, you know, with the pail of water, which is him. And and I immediately thought as he was telling me this, have you seen the chosen yet? Oh yeah. I love it. And love it. The last, the last, Spoiler alert, mm-hmm. the last episode is when Jesus meets the woman at the well. Yep. Well, they portray her as somebody who is totally outside of um, accept, being yeah. acceptable. Yeah, she even says to him, but I am rejected by others. That's her quote. Yeah. And he said, yes, but not by the Messiah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite and lines. Even, in, and even now I get goosebumps right, from that right. because he chooses those whom society has totally rejected. He was the first one he told he was Messiah. Yeah. She was the first. Or, yeah. That's right. First female evangelist in scripture. She runs into town, tells everybody who he is. I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And he tells her in that scene that uh, when she's kind of saying, you don't know who I am, nobody likes me and all that, yeah. he said, I came to this well yes, to, to meet you. Ugh. Yeah. It's just the amount of significance that he pours into her. And of course, her countenance completely changed. We relate to that. Our yes. encounter our encounter with Jesus is the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just. 
I am the least likely guy to be sitting behind this microphone. Right. Because of my past and my past behavior. Right. And yet he chose you. And he chose me. He told me one time, because in John 15, he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you that you would go and bear fruit. And I'm like, Lord, don't you watch me? I mean, (laughs) if you just follow me around, I'm an embarrassment. And he said, uh, Steve, I chose you because you wouldn't choose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And what he's saying is, you know, you got to rely on me. You know, if there's going to be goodness and mercy and righteousness come out of Steve today, it's going to be because he's relying upon me as his source for those things. I'm totally stealing that. Yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. Take it. (laughs) But yeah, I love that scene. I cry in all those scenes. Uh, How about when he quotes Isaiah 43 verse 1 to Mary Magdalene in the very first uh, episode of The Chosen, that prayer that her dad had given her, and she wads it up. She's hopeless. She throws it off the cliff. Oh, spoiler alert. (laughs) And then Jesus finds her in the pub. Yeah. And and tells her she's she's trying to drown away her sorrows with alcohol. He touches her hand and she doesn't know him, of course. And right. he said, "That's not for you." And boy, I see so many things in that. I, I see beyond, hey, that's not for you. You shouldn't do it. To that's not for you, Mary. That is not going to help you. That is not go. That's a not a positive thing for you to just try to wash away all your pain. Uh, with alcohol, I'm here to take care of your pain. And of course, she runs out, but then uh, he calls her by name. I can't. Her name is Lilith, right? Yeah, yeah Lilith, Lilith was her prostitute name, and she's running away, and he calls her Mary. Oh my gosh! And of course, she turns around because, like, how could he? How, know how do you know? Yeah. Who she said, "Who are you?" And he didn't even answer that. He just said, "Thus says the Lord God who created you, who formed you." Uh, fear not, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. And she just wilts. He repeats that to all of us. That's right. He repeats it to all of us. Yeah, when he said it to her, Rick, he said it to me. Yeah. And I, I became a blubbering, you know, oh, yeah. a puddle on the floor. But, but I think that's a key to the kingdom of God, Rick, is the acknowledgement. Who does the kingdom belong to? Matthew 5, 3. It's the first sentence of his sermon on the mount. And it's blessed are the poor in spirit, the destitute, those who are humble, those who know I am empty. I am empty. I have nothing to give you. That word poor is huge. Yeah. Destitute, bankrupt, empty, void. So think about that. The criteria to receive relationship with God, which is the kingdom of God, it's it's, it's his spirit and his rule in our heart. The criteria for that is is open-handed emptiness that you have nothing you can give him. And when you acknowledge that, like Mary, she knows she doesn't deserve his love. She knows that she's well acquainted with that, just like you and I are. But what better uh, criteria for broken human beings than empty hands? The only thing that could get in the way is if you got a bunch of money, you got your own personal bill of rights, you got, you know, all your demands in your hands. Man, empty your hands of all that and say, I have nothing but what you're willing to give me. And that spawns that love relationship that changes. Okay, since we're spoiling the whole <laughs> sure, yeah. another very, very powerful powerful scene to me was Nicodemus. Yeah. When he met is. him at the well in this uh, in the upstairs thing or whatever. No, the when oh. he said, We're leaving on this day, yeah. meet us at the well. That's on, right. On the south side of town. And he gave him money and instead. And he gave him money instead. And the scene yeah. where he wanted so bad to go with him. Yeah. That his, he just cried. Yeah. In that guy's silence. a great actor too. Oh gosh, that was powerful. Because he was, he was powerful on the rooftop too when he met him in secret. Yeah. But yeah, that is, you just, your heart just wrenches for the guy. And Jesus knows he's there. Yeah. He, he knows he's there, and he will not choose for him. Uh, man, it's just, it is, it's powerful. A lot. I'm ready for season two. I wish they wouldn't commercialize all of it so much and sell, you know, memorabilia. And I mean, I get if you want to do a little bit of that, but, but I wish they wouldn't do so much of that. But I'm telling you, the episodes are are insanely powerful. They are insanely powerful. And here's why. If you haven't seen it, see it. Yeah, uh, there's eight episodes. That's season one. They get ready to do season two here in a little bit. 
But the reason why, in my opinion, Rick, is they portray Jesus really well. They really do portray him as uh, as I've seen him, which is so strong, so powerful, yes, but, man, compassionate, merciful on people that we just don't we just don't deserve him uh, when you think about, like you said, our past, our mistakes. Yeah. And I like it that, and this is going to sound totally sexist, but I like it that he's just a guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's with his disciples, he's yeah. a guy. Yeah. And he says guy things. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think. Um, well, they were they were getting at the wedding and getting ready to dance. Yeah, that's and right. He says we have one problem. And Peter yeah. says, what? <laughs> Andrew's feet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The guy can't dance. Well, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, that's a great part. Yeah. And then uh, when he calls Matthew, I'm glad oh. we came by your booth today, Matthew. Yeah, he's just. Yeah. And he wanted to go. So he wanted that invitation. Yeah. Matthew did. That's And see, Rick, we were talking earlier about discipleship and disciple making. Um something that was resurrected in me watching the chosen is how what all went into follow me yeah follow me we we have cheapened that relationship with the lord when we equate it to an hour on sunday or no man he's saying follow me every day walk with me let me teach you let me pour into you uh let me even release you to help other people we'll do it together you know it's just just powerful how he calls those guys and uh, they're willing to give up everything the other part of that is that when i hear follow me i do not feel capable and then he gives me holy spirit right and holy spirit gives me the ability to follow him yeah and it's right. not about me anymore that's right about my shortcomings or what i can't do yeah. it's about what holy spirit wants to do through me and he enables me to be the follower that is the power of a command and you know for everybody who's listening today you want him to give you an instruction you want whether it's come follow me or come uh what did he say to peter come come out on the water yeah see Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So whatever he speaks to you, Rick, he then gives you literally in birth by the Holy Spirit, the power, the grace to walk out, to come and follow. Now, no, it's not in your own strength, but you've got the comforter, the helper, the power of Christ at work in your members, divinely influencing you. He won't take your your choosing away. That's up to you. But he is divinely influencing you from within. And so when you get a word from the Lord, an invitation or an instruction, that word has faith in it. Yes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that word he speaks to is that living voice you talked about by the Spirit uh, carries with it the power, the grace, the faith to walk it out. And we have to understand that the word, word is not scripture, it's Christ. Yeah, that's Rhema, isn't it? Isn't it Rhema there? I, I thought faith it was comes Logos. By, I think it's Rhema. Think faith it's Rhema? comes okay. by, yeah. Okay, well, Which would the, be a living, yeah. a living voice, uh, present tense word. Let me, th- I want to look at Ezekiel. 36 too, because I'm reminded of that one when we're talking about his divine influence on our heart. While you're looking at that, I'm going to make a statement here. All right. Um, I avoided becoming a Christian for a long time because I didn't want to give up who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, my job, I was an artist. I always wanted to be an artist. Yeah. I always wanted to do that. I spent emotional resources um, physical resources to get to that goal. And I said, I don't want to give that up. Yeah. And God came to me and said, you know, I made you that way. I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to redeem it. <laughs> We're going to do this together. That's fantastic. What a, what a wonderful blessing in truth. Yeah. That, yeah. He's not going to ask you to not be who he made you, who he made you. He's going <laughs> to redeem it all for his purposes. Uh, Ezekiel 36, he talks about, I'll just start, I guess, in 26. I don't have my glasses, but I'm trying. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside you. I'll remove from you your old heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you 
to follow my decrees and keep my instructions. That's what I mean by this divine influence upon our heart. Uh, Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So I have love for God in my heart by the Holy Spirit, and he's always massaging it, influencing it to choose God's choices. Don't you love that? Because do. you can't have love without a choice. So he doesn't override my my free will. He doesn't over doesn't take the choice out of my hands. Nope. But that's why, you know, we get born again because man, I want the spirit of God in me. I want that divine influence and, and power and faith that work in my heart. Yes. Yes. I all to new guys I have and a lot of them are um mostly churched and they have this church belief system. Yeah. And a lot of it is based on this, your relationship to scripture. Mm -hmm. A lot of churches teach Mm -hmm. scripture is what is important. Right. And then the thing that I say is, okay, John 14, I have to go away so the helper can come. Yeah. Does it make sense to you that Jesus would go away and send Holy spirit and then he not talk to you? No, makes no sense. Makes no sense. Same same principle. Why would he put his spirit inside of us and then expect us to just tuck him away in the corner somewhere and watch us do our thing? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, if the spirit of the Lord is in me, then I should be yielding to him, partnering with him, letting him lead, love, speak, you know, all those things through me. But yeah, absolutely. Um, why wouldn't he talk to us? Yeah. It's interesting because there's a lady at church, at Grace Church, that in the past, you mentioned just the Bible, she just would read the Bible, you know, check it off her list. Yeah. Well, since we've been talking about, hey, you can you can hear from the living voice while you're sitting with Scripture. Yes. So, so ask yourself the question, Lord, I see what this says, but what are you saying to me? Well, she started, we call it, you know, abiding that you're living connected to Jesus. It's not just Bible reading. I'm connected to you, Lord. Speak to me. As she's done that, uh, Rick, she said she is being totally transformed by just being with him. So think of the difference between just, I read a chapter of the Bible today. I checked it off my list. Now I'm going to go live however I want. Now it's like, wow, I'm becoming more like him. And she said, I used to come home like I'd put up a face to certain people at work and I didn't like them, but I pretended, you know, I just, and so I go home and run them all down. She said, now that I'm sitting with Jesus and really getting to know him, I'm getting his love for those people. I'm not faking anything. I'm starting to genuinely care what happens to those people. You see how he transforms, but it's not her self effort. All she's doing is sitting with him. And when she is in scripture, inviting him, the living voice to speak to her and teach her. I would say that developing that relationship, it would be impossible not to be changed. That's right. Yep. Impossible. Impossible to to not be changed. And see, that really is the gospel. And you mentioned church people and church background. E. Stanley Jones said that the tragedy of modern day Christianity is that, yes, Jesus lived, died, and rose again, those three things. But he said the fourth is that he now lives in us by the Holy Spirit, intimately in us by the Holy Spirit. And he said the tragedy of modern Christianity is they've taken the first three and forgotten the fourth. And uh, that is the tragedy, Rick, because that's why he came. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter 1, all of them record John the Baptist came to baptize with water unto repentance, but Jesus' assignment was what? I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to immerse you in the Spirit of God. I'm going to restore that spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart, inward relationship, connection we had back in the garden. And much of the church, unfortunately, has missed that and still lives in John's baptism. It's still get water baptized and repent of your sins, man, or else. You, you know, God will strike you down or, or God forbid you'll miss heaven. I mean, he, I can get into that whole soapbox that he didn't, he's more interested in getting heaven into you than he is getting you into heaven. Nobody in heaven needs your help. They're all here. I mean, you talked about the political state of America. I mean, look at the division, look at the ugliness, look at what's happened. And there's so many believers that, that if they're not careful, they'll identify themselves politically more than with Christ himself. And his attitudes and his his kingdom. Two thoughts. 
I'm gonna, what you just said is people who now become more um, controlled by their emotions and yeah. then by the reality of who Christ is. That's right. That's what happens when you That's right. when you focus on a political system. Yeah. Um, the other one is, and I've forgotten. Um, the other thought we're talking about the spirit and E. Stanley Jones saying that he lived, died, and rose again, but now lives in us yes, through the Holy Spirit. You defined perfectly the difference between the old covenant That's and the right. new covenant. That's exactly right. Because in the old, it really is repenting from sin and blessing yes. and cursing and reward and punishment. Nobody was born again, so we had to use those things yes. to motivate. And then also the law was given to keep sin down under wraps. Uh, so, yeah, but in the new covenant, why did he die on the cross? That's that's half the gospel. Half. The other half is he died so that the Spirit of God could move intimately triumphantly back inside my heart rick i can't be like him without him that was never going to happen <laughs> never think about it. and it's a it's an insult to say oh i'm holy you're not holy if you don't have the holy spirit the holy one has got to be in you being holy in you that's how you're holy and now thank god you're in union with that spirit first corinthians six seventeen. it seems to me that god spent five thousand years with israel proving that point yeah that's exactly right Yep. That yeah. was that was the point that the law never had the power to make them right before God. That's right. Yeah. And, and, as a matter of fact, I was just in First Timothy one, eight nine yesterday uh, about the law is good when it's used righteously. Well, the next verse says how to use it righteously. It's for the unbeliever. It's for the um, what is the heathen. Uh, he uses different terminology there, but it's not for the born again child of God. I don't need the law anymore to cause me to do right because the spirit of Christ is in me, divinely influencing me to do right. Now, I, I love the law. I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's good instruction. It's but a beautifully that's, written document. Yeah, beautifully yeah. written. Yeah. It's funny, too, because Hebrews 8 says that it wasn't half bad, but the problem was us. <laughs> we, could, we couldn't keep we any couldn't of it. Keep it. You know, so, I, had, yeah. I had a guy ask me when I got into this discussion. He says, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Yeah. And I said, the Ten Commandments are kept from the outside. Uh-huh. The New Covenant is... You get it's written. The, it's written on the inside right. and produces the fruit of the spirit. That's the fruit right. of the spirit replaced the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and the fruit of the spirit is a higher law. Yes. So instead of let's just take don't thou shalt not steal. Don't steal from your neighbor. Well, the fruit of the spirit says, hey, go love your neighbor. Go go take care of him. You know, go feed him. Feed him. You, yeah. you see the it's 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 okay that you're not stealing from him, but if you're sitting over there coveting his Porsche, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're still guilty of breaking the law, brother. Yeah. But when you have a new heart, then it's like, man, you know, Lord, how can I how can I show my neighbor who you are? How can I love him well? How can I serve him? Does that does that make yes, sense? Yes, yeah. totally. It is yes. it's just a higher law. And uh you know, yeah, that's what it is. It's life. It's life. It is life. There was something else I was thinking about the Ten Commandments. Other than that, let's see if it comes back to me. Uh, there's there's that instruction, loving God, you know, I don't know. We'll see if it comes back to me. Well, following the Ten Commandments is never enough. Right. And here's the problem. I was born a sinner. I mean, I already broke them. I, yeah. I was... <laughs> I didn't become a sinner because I committed one. Right. I already was. I was born a sinner. So guess what? I had to get born out of it. And so I got born into righteousness, uh, born into the family of God. I was born into the Adams family. There's a nice joke for you. (laughs) Adams family is a fallen, right? The fallen state of the flesh. And uh, people are born into sin. So we got to get born out of it. And that's why, that's why Jesus came. I just think again, that's the real gospel is that restoration of intimacy. That's why I love that Origins book. It's funny how that book came to be because in January 2019, I did a series called Origins, Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 3, and then it just exploded from there. Like the Lord was, he started just unfolding. This this is why Jesus came. If we're going to restore, redeem re uh reconcile consolidate means to make one so he's going to reconcile or we're going to receive the holy spirit the english your english listeners know that uh okay let me 
English education listeners <laughs> know that the prefix re means to go back or to return to. And so restore, redeem, reconcile. Jesus came to get us back to what we once had. And there's no sign of religion in that garden, Rick. None. None. He never said, I'll see you at None. church next week. Uh, let's do this once a week for an hour. <laughs> Bring some instruments. He didn't do any of that. And I, Bring and I, your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not against church. I mean, I'm a pastor of a church. Yeah. But these are the things I think the church should be serving that message. We should be serving that mission of the rex, restoration work of Jesus Christ, spirit to spirit. Amen. And then, hey, let's make great use of the scriptures, too. Let's, let's make use of scripture. Don't just read the Bible, though. Sit with the author. If somebody wants to get a copy of your book, how could they go about it? Just go to Amazon.com and type in the search engine, Steve Eden. And I've written six books. I just finished The Absolute Worthlessness of Worry, which wow. uh, that's that's relevant. <laughs> that is totally relevant. You know, there's so much, man, the media, God bless them, right? Because they just pipe out fear and doubt and uh, distrust. and I mean, they just... They're, they're just so full of it. Even the conservative ones, so-called yeah. conserv- yeah. conservative media people do the same thing. Yeah, I told Grace Church, I told them, you just stop watching because until somebody gets on there and says, here's the word of the Lord, here's what the Lord is saying yeah. about our situation, then it's all just man's intellect or, you know this well as I do, money grabbing, like we're trying to get eyeballs on the TV. Mm-hmm. They just pipe so much fear, worry, and anxiety. Right now, Rick... Suicide is as high as it's ever been. It's gone up with uh, the COVID and the election and all that. People are really battling depression and oppression. There's a little bit, well, that's probably an understatement. There's a cloud of oppression and weight upon the country that we don't need to be ignorant of. We don't war against flesh and blood. No, we don't. But there are spiritual forces at work in this country trying to kill people, depress people, get people uh, inundated with fear, worry, and anxiety. And so that's why I ended up writing that book, because uh, I've done a handful of series on worry and fear, but I thought, man, uh, let's let's put them into a book and make it a resource for people. You know, I uh, w- whenever I'm counseling, I use a lot um, John seventeen. Yeah, and in the thirteenth, I think it's thirteenth. I'm looking it up here. In the 15th verse, mm-hmm. he says, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil. Right. Not the evil one. Mm. The word one is added. Oh, okay. But it's, keep them from evil. And yeah. you just described the evil. Yeah. The enemy can't kill us. Right. But he can distract us with all of this hopelessness. That's right. The lies of you're not good enough mm-hmm. and you know, in the middle of this pandemic, what you just said yeah. is that suicide has gone up right. tremendously. Right. It's because of the evil of the lies that we believe. That's right. Uh, because if knowing the truth sets us free, believing a lie sets us into bondage. He distracts us and he distresses us. Yes. Think of the stress levels in the country. He stresses us by getting us to believe a lie that God's not enough. God's not watching. I can't rely on him. I better take matters into my own hands. Whatever the lie is, we've got to come back and be anchored to the truth. I remember Jacob Sheriff shared a couple of years ago, maybe it was a year and a half ago, uh, he's a, a pastor down in uh, Durant. With He's Dwayne Sheriff's son. He talked about we're living in a blizzard of distraction, uh, distress, chaos, technology. We're just inundated with all this. And he said, now is the time you've got to get anchored to truth. And I remember telling Grace Church, if all you're putting in front of your eyeballs, you you become like that which you look at is secular media. You're going to that fear and worry and anxiety is going to get all over you. So you need to spend time with the Lord. Right. Second Corinthians 318. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We get transformed into his image. There's no fear, worry in God at all. So we tether ourselves to the truth. We anchor ourselves to the truth. That's what keeps us free. He never promised us that everything would be peaches and roses. Let's be honest. There are promises. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in Scripture of peace, love, and grooviness, yay. But there's also promises that in the natural world you're going to have trial, tribulation, distress. That's John 16, 33. So how do we navigate the promises of God and the problems of life. Maybe we'll do that on the next show. Uh, yeah, because that that's a great topic. I think that's chapter 8 in the book on worry. But we have to stay tethered to truth, Rick, and really guard our heart and, and listen, guard our family's heart, our young people, um, because they're, as much as information you and I get as older guys from Internet or whatever, right. they're being piped all kinds of information. Oh, my gosh, yes. The promise of life. I love that. Yeah. Will you, will you come back and let's the, talk about the promises that? of God mediating or navigating the promises of God with the problems of life. Okay. Can you remember that? I can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the book. You know where I got that from? I, I do that true you true university podcast and pastor Lee Armstrong, who's also from Durant. Uh-huh. He brought that up. He, he used that terminology in that podcast a while back. And I thought, man, that needs to go in the book because he's lost he lost a grandson, tragically, around 21 years old of, of, of age, battled a lifetime of illnesses. They didn't even expect him to live that long. But then he also lost a daughter that was murdered. This guy has had to learn. He and his wife have had to learn. I've got all these promises in Scripture, but life has dealt me some very damaging blows. How do I navigate the tension between those two things? Mm. Yeah. It's not easy. No, it's not. If it was easy, we wouldn't need dependence. That's right. And I think everything points back to that, living a a dependent, reliant life on Christ. Yeah. We got about four minutes. (laughs) It went by fast, didn't it? It did go by fast. Yeah, it did. Leave us with, uh, no pressure, Yeah, but leave us with some wisdom. Some wisdom. All right. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, I think it's Proverbs 4, 7, that in all of your getting, you know, in regard to wisdom, Uh he says, get understanding. Amen. In all of your getting and going after wisdom, which Christ, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, is our wisdom. He lives inside of us. We have the mind of Christ. But what I love about that passage, Rick, is in all of your pursuit of wisdom, make sure you get understanding. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, what I mean is... Before you seek to be understood, seek to understand. You look at all the fussing and fighting in our country, Democrat, Republican, all those things, different points of view. Before you seek to be understood, seek to understand. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for that. You're welcome. There's our music. There's our music. That means we're done. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Pastor, brother. Yeah. I look forward to coming back. We'll do it again. And thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week.